0: If you know the fear of the Lord, if you're constantly thinking about the Lord's approval in your life, it will motivate you to become persuasive of others. Either we will fear man and be persuaded by men, or we will fear God and we will become a persuasive force of men.
1: Welcome to Resonate with Trent Griffith, Senior Pastor of Harvest Bible Chapel in Granger, Indiana. I'm Aaron Paulus, and I'm so glad you've joined us here today. Over the last few weeks, we've been in a series called Approval Addict, and we're finding out just how difficult life can be when we live for the approval of men instead of God. Well, today we're going to hear the first part of the final message in this series. It's called... How to Get God's Stamp of Approval. So grab your Bible and join in as Pastor Trent leads us to the answer in God's Word. Here's Pastor Trent.
0: How many recovering approval addicts do I have in the room? We have turned Harvest Bible Chapel into the Addiction Recovery Center for people who are hooked on the approval of other people. The biblical term for that that we looked at in the first week is Proverbs 29, and the biblical term is... The fear of man. That verse says the fear of man brings a snare. It's a trap. We get trapped by what other people think of us. But he who trusts in the Lord will be safe. And so we want to dislodge ourselves from the approval addiction because people-pleasing is the number one obstacle to people-pleasing God. We want to be God-pleasers, not people-pleasers. So I'm going to do something in this message that we normally don't do around here. If you're new, what we typically do around here is we open our Bible to kind of one page. We kind of work through a section, and we stay on that page. Today's different. We are chasing down the answer to the question, how do I get God's stamp of approval? So we're going to look at a lot of different passages of Scripture today. I want you to do two things. I want you to open up your Bible. How many Bibles in the house? Raise up those Bibles. Where are the Bibles? Great, great, great. That's an iPad. That's not a Bible. Um, open your Bible or open your Bible app to First Thessalonians chapter 5. No, chapter 2. And then I want you to Bookmark that or put your husband's finger there and turn over to 2 Timothy chapter 2. We're going to look at those two passages here real quick. And we're going to try to answer the question, how do we get God's stamp of approval? If you're there, say, I'm there in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. I want you to look at this verse in verse 4. We have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. So we speak, not to please who? Man, but to please who? God, who tests our heart. The reason that I wanted to start in this verse is just to let you know it is possible to be approved by God. Some people think, I don't even know if I could ever be approved by God. You don't know my past. You don't know the things I've done. God would never approve. Well, this verse says there's a group of people that have been approved by God. We want to be counted with that number. But notice what happens when you're approved by God. When you're approved by God and entrusted with God's message, the gospel, you know what it motivates you to do? It motivates you to speak. It motivates you to get involved in people's lives so that other people can learn how to get God's stamp of approval through the message of the gospel. And our desire is to please God no matter who else is displeased. We want to be God-pleasers, not people-pleasers. Now, look over at 2 Timothy chapter 2. And uh, we're going to start to answer this question, how do I get God's stamp of approval? Now, if you grew up going to Awana, anybody ever grew up going to Awana? You already know this is the Awana-verse, right? We should just have all the Awana people stand right now. If you were ever in Awana, stand up. Come on, come on, all the Awana graduates, the Cubbies, and what else is there? The mama bears and the papa bears, I don't know what they are. Stay, keep standing, keep standing. And all the Iwana people are now going to quote this verse. Let's say it for everybody else, okay? This is the ESV, read it with me, okay? Second Timothy 2.15, read it with me. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. Look at all the Awana people. This is awesome. We should have like a Awana reunion one night, okay? You guys can have some people like, what is Awana, okay? It's just an acronym, a workman approved unto God. That's what it is. So we can be approved, but I want you to notice about this verse. There is some work involved. There, There is some some stuff that we got to get right if we're going to be approved by God. You've got to become a worker and you got to do your best. It's going to require some effort here, and one of the greatest things that we have to show effort in is is getting our attention off of people and getting them onto God. Now, um, if you've been coming to Harvest for very long, you know I like to make things simple, right? Clarity, urgency, and simplicity. And as I've been studying this this approval addiction thing through Scripture, it reminded me of a story, a, a children's storybook that I used to read to my kids by Max Lucado. And so at the risk of losing all respect, I'm now going to read a children's storybook to you. Some of you, like, just woke up. You're like, oh, I love story time, you know, and get my teddy bear and my dad's going to read. So I just want you to listen as Uncle Trent reads story time to you. But actually, in order to make this, to pull this off right, I need some children. So, um, oh, look, we have wonderful little children right here. So you guys come on and, um, and, and hang out with Uncle Trent here for a minute, and we're going to read a story. Now, the story is called... You are special. Now, if Pastor Trent was renaming that, I would just call it, you're, you're an ordinary, dirty, rotten sinner. But um, this book says you're special. Thank you very. But, um, but the message is right. Okay, so are you guys ready for this? Mm-hmm. All right, you're going to look at the pictures. Okay, and I'll read the words. How's it going? You like that microphone? You're not going to get it. Okay, here we go. All right, it's a story about wooden people. And, and they were called the Wimmicks. The Wimmicks were small wooden people, and all of the wooden people were carved by the same woodcarver. His name was Eli. And his workshop sat on a hill that overlooked their village. Each Wemmick was different. Some had big noses. Others had large eyes. Some were tall, and some were short. Some wore hats, and some wore coats, but all were made by the same woodcarver, and all lived in the same village. And all day... Every day, they could be seen up and down the city streets doing the very same thing. Do you know what they did? They gave each other stickers. Do you like stickers? Well, every Wemmick had a box of gold star stickers, and every Wemmick had a box of gray dot stickers. And up and down the streets, they would stick stickers all over each other. The pretty ones, the ones with smooth wood and fine paint, they all got gold stars. But if the wood was rough and the paint was chipped, the Wemmicks would give gray dots. The talented ones got stars too. They could lift high above their heads these big sticks and they could jump over boxes and everyone would give them stars. Some could sing really pretty songs and some of them knew really big words and everybody would give them stars. But Some of the the wimics had stars all over them. And every time they got a star, it made them feel so good on the inside. Do you know what they wanted to do? They wanted to go do something else to get another gold star. Others, though, could do very little. Punchinello was one of these. He tried to jump high like the others, but when he did, he always fell. And when he fell, the others would gather around him and give him gray dots. Sometimes when he fell, his wood got scratched and so the people would come up and give him dots because his wood was scratched. Then he would try to explain why he fell and he would say something silly and the Wemmicks would give him more gray dots. After a while, he had so many gray dots, he didn't even want to go outside anymore. He was afraid he would do something wrong or step in the water and people would give him another dot. In fact, he had so many gray dots, some people would just come up and give him a gray dot because he had a lot of gray dots and he didn't want to go outside anymore. He deserves a lot of dots, they would say. He's not a good wooden person. After a while, Punchinello began to believe them. I'm not a good wimmick he would say. A few times that he did go outside, he hung around other wimmicks who had a lot of gray dots. He felt better around them. One day he met a Wemmick who was unlike any he'd ever met before. She had no gray dots and she had no gold stars. Her name was Lucia. It wasn't that people didn't try to give her stickers, it's just that the stickers didn't stick on Lucia. Some of the Wemmicks admired Lucia for having no dots and so they would run up and try to give her a star. But when they did, it would fall to the ground. Others would look down on Lucia for having no stars, and so they'd come up and give her a gray dot. But it wouldn't stick either. That's the way I want to be, thought Punchinello. I don't want anybody's marks. So he asked the stickerless Wemmick how she did it. It's easy, Lucia replied. Every day I go see Eli. Eli? Who's Eli? Eli's the woodcarver. I sit in the workshop with him. Why do you do that? why don't you go find out for yourself go up the hill he's there and with that the Wemmick with no stickers turned and skipped away Punchinello walked up the narrow path to the top of the hill and stepped into the wood shop then he heard his name Punchinello the voice was deep and strong Punchinello how good to see you come here let me have a look at you Punchinello turned slowly and looked at the large bearded craftsman you know my name of course I do I made you. Eli stooped down and picked him up and set him on his workbench. Hmm. The maker spoke thoughtfully as he looked at the gray dots. Looks like you've been given some bad marks. I didn't mean to, Eli. I tried really, really hard. Oh, you don't have to defend yourself to me, child. I don't care what the other Wemmicks think. You don't? No, and you shouldn't either. Who are they to give you stars or dots? They're Wemmicks just like you. All that matters is what I think, what they think doesn't matter, Punchinello, and I think you're pretty special. Punchinello laughed. Me special? Why? I can't walk fast. I can't jump. My paint's peeling off. Why do I even matter to you? Eli looked at Punchinello. He put his hands on those small wooden shoulders and spoke very slowly. Because you're mine. That's why you matter to me. Punchinello had never had anybody look at him like this before, and he didn't know what to say. Every day I've been hoping that you'd come, Eli explained. Well, I came because I met somebody who had no marks. I know, she told me about you. Well, why don't the stickers stick on her? The maker spoke softly, because she has decided that what I think is more important than what they think. The stickers only stick if you let them. What? The stickers only stick if they matter to you. The more you trust in my love, the less you care about those stickers. I'm not sure I understand. Eli smiled. You will, but it will take some time. You've got a lot of marks for now. Just make sure you come and see me every day and I'll remind you how much I love you. Eli lifted Punchinello off the bench, sat him on the ground and said, remember, you are special because I made you and I don't make mistakes. Punchinello didn't stop, but in his heart, he thought, I think he really means it. And when he did, a dot fell to the ground. You guys want to give these guys a hand? You guys can go sit down. You guys can go. Thank you so much. See you guys later. All right. Now, how many of you understand that I'm not concerned with those little approval addicts? Who's that story for? That's the story for all of you who really are impressed by all of the gold stars that you've been given and you work so hard for those gold stars. I mean, you got the best grades, and you got the most money, and you got the most applause, and you don't have to use makeup because you're so beautiful, and you never had acne like the rest of us, and you had straight teeth, and you got all those gold stars. And if you're like, yeah, the reason you feel that way about all those people is because you got a lot of gray dots. I mean, you got the crooked teeth and the bad grades, and you got fired, and your parents never approved, and yet deep on the inside of us, all of us want the gold stars. And what this message is about is not seeking the gold stars from the wrong source. So the question is, how do we get God's stamp of approval? I wanna give you three things. Here's the first, and I want you to turn over in your Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Here's the first of the points. We have to learn to replace the fear of man with the fear of the Lord. Now, there's a very important principle in the scripture. It's called the principle of positive replacement. And it simply is this In order to be set free from something you're addicted to, you have to be addicted to something else. Now, let me show you how tricky this is and how hard it is to pull off. I want you for the next 30 seconds not to think of the number four, okay? Don't think about two plus two. Don't think about what comes after three. Don't think about the way it's spelled F-O-U-R. Don't think about how many quarters are in a football game. Don't think about how many quarters it takes to make a dollar. Don't think about the fact that the number four actually kind of looks like a pretzel. And just don't think about the number four. How many of you are really bad at not thinking of the number four? Did you, did you pull that off? Some of you did pull it off, but the only way you did it was every time I said the number four, you replaced the number four with a different number. If I said four, you thought eight. And that's the principle of positive replacement. Krispy Kreme donuts look really good until you're addicted, right? <laughs> what are those things called? Rise and roll, right? Okay, so you see, it's, it's a positive replacement, all right? It's not that the Krispy Kreme was bad. It's just, that, it's just that the rise and roll does something that the Krispy Kreme never could, right? So, and the same is true with the fear of the Lord. We're going to fear something. The Bible says two things about fear. Number one, it says don't fear. And then it says fear God. And so what is he talking about here? It means that we should constantly be thinking, what would the Lord approve of in my life? Not what people would approve of, but what would the Lord approve of? Let me show it to you in this scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Pause. Reflect. Get real serious. Fear you fear that day? You should. What will happen on that day when we all appear before the judgment seat of Christ? He tells us each one will receive what is due for what he has done, whether good or evil. God is keeping track. God knows what you do and one day you're going to give an account for all of it that should produce a measure of fear a healthy fear in my soul the verse goes on and says this therefore because we're going to appear before the judgment seat of christ therefore knowing the fear of the lord what do we do We persuade others, but what we are is known to God, and I hope it's known also to your conscience. So do you see the combination here? If you know the fear of the Lord, if you're constantly thinking about the Lord's approval in your life, it will motivate you to become persuasive of others. So here's the two options. Either we will fear man and be persuaded by men... Or we will fear God and we will become a persuasive force of men. Are you persuaded or are you persuasive? If you are easily persuaded, it's because you are trapped in a fear of man. You're an approval addict. But if you live with a conscious awareness that one day I will stand before God in judgment then that's going to radically alter the way that I live my life. How would it alter the words that come out of your mouth if you consciously were aware that God hears those words? What would it do to your Friday and Saturday night in the dark when nobody's looking if you were aware that God is looking? What would it do to the way you think about a person who has wronged you if you were aware that God even knows your thoughts. Here's the definition of the fear of the Lord that we'll use. It is the continual awareness that I am in the presence of God and that I will appear before him in judgment for everything I do, everything I say, and everything I think. How would it alter your behavior if you lived with the conscious awareness that God Is watching. That's the fear of the Lord. I read a an article a few years ago. There was a particular neighborhood in the city of Detroit that was declining. The crime rate was rising in this neighborhood. The citizens didn't know what to do. The police were unable to help, and so the citizens of that neighborhood got together and they threw in some money and they purchased an obsolete, um, discontinued police car. They brought it in. They gave it a fresh coat of paint. They put a new set of lights over the top of it, and they parked it at the entrance of the neighborhood with the parking lights on. In the next two months, the crime rate had dropped 74%. There was no more of a police presence there than there was before, but there was an awareness that what I do in this neighborhood could be caught, it could be seen, and I might have to pay some consequences. I experienced this just a couple of weeks ago. Um, Andrew and I drove our two oldest children, Brooke and Zach, to Cedarville University, dropped them off as freshmen in college. How many of you, hey, any freshman college students that had that horrible experience? Is there any freshmen here today like Notre Dame? Anybody cry puddles? This week, as you said, goodbye to mom and dad. Maybe you weren't, but they were, you know, something like that. Well, we had that experience a couple of weeks ago. So, so Brooke and Zach, they, they took their cars just to, uh, to college with them. So, Andrea, where it's a kind of a caravan, Andrew and I are driving down the toll road, and Zach is behind me, and Brooke is, is behind Zach. And we get on the toll road, headed east, and um, about 15 minutes into the trip, uh, my cell phone rang. I answered it. It was Zach, who's in the car behind me. I said, Hey, Dad you think you could drive a little faster? I said, well, Zach, I'm driving 70 miles an hour. The speed limit is 70 miles an hour. And he said, well, I've been on the toll road with you before and this is the first time you've ever driven 70 miles an hour. I think we can pick up the pace a little bit. I said, Zach, this is my final opportunity to set a good example for you. I'm showing you how to drive on the toll road. I want us to drive 70 miles an hour. So what had happened? The presence of my son who was watching my driving habits changed my behavior. It was a, a continual awareness that he's watching me. And he's going to drive a car very much the way that I drive a car. And so if we lived with the conscious awareness that God is watching and that one day I'm going to stand before him and give an account for the things that I do, the things that I say, and the things that I think. Do you think that might change your behavior a little bit? Yeah. Now we're understanding how important it is to live with the awareness of God. Now, when we talk about the approval addiction, I want you to understand, your drive for approval is not wrong. As a matter of fact, we have three God-given drives within us that are actually to motivate us to live for the approval of God. Here they are. The first one is attention. Don't you just feel like, man, I just want to be noticed. I just want to be recognized. I wish somebody would... Just generally acknowledge my existence. If you're a freshman at Notre Dame, you probably like, does anybody know I'm even here or care? So we all have that. That is not wrong. That is not sinful. As a matter of fact, I believe it's God-given. We all want to stand out. We all want to think we're special. And we want to kind of stand out from the group. That attention drive is meant to drive you to God because you can have the attention of God if you would just become aware that he is with you. Jeremiah chapter one, God speaking to Jeremiah. Jeremiah is afraid because he's got all these people that are not on his side and not a big fan of Jeremiah. And God says, do not be afraid of them for I am with you. In order to be released of the fear of man, I must be consciously aware that God is with me. I remember a few years ago, I went to an amusement park, and we're, we're standing in those cattle stalls, you know, to get on the line. So there's like hundreds of people waiting to get on the and you pass the same person, you know, this in, for hours. And I noticed that there was one particular guy, a teenager, who had the attention of everybody else in the cattle stall. The reason he had our attention is because he had pierced everything in his body that he could possibly pierce without leaking. And and through those piercings, he had placed safety pins. I mean they were wrapped around his ear and he had like in the eyebrow and a lip and he had like two or three in the throat. And we're like, ew. <laughs> and yet, this guy was so confident in himself. I mean he was he was just having a great time. He was sitting up on the the, the rail, you know, and, and he's bantering with everybody's is had the attention. We're like asking him, like, do you leak? You know, and so he was like fielding questions from the press corps, and it was like he just felt really great about himself. So, what motivates somebody to do something to stand out? We all do it. We do it through piercings or tattoos, or maybe it's your Iwana Bible verses you like to quote to everybody to stand out from the rest and show us how spiritual you are, right? Well, the motive that drives us for attention is meant to drive us to the heart of God. God says, I'm watching the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth, looking for someone on whose behalf he can show himself strong. He wants to give you his attention for the right reason. So it's a God-given drive. Here's another one. The drive for acceptance. The drive for acceptance, I believe, is a God-given drive because God designed us to live in community. He wants us to live in relationship. God didn't design you to live on an island, isolated, independent, autonomous. He wants you to live in community. So the same guy that wants to stand out also wants to fit in. Because have you noticed that all the safety pin people eventually find each other? Have you noticed? It's like, now we're forming a safety pin support group. You know, it's like, we, we feel better because we're not, we want to stand out, but we also want to fit in. And so there's this weird balance that goes on. And so we want acceptance, but here's the thing. God meant for your acceptance drive to drive you to him so that we would find our acceptance in the beloved. We want to be loved. We want to be known. We want to be cared for. And so it's to drive us to the heart of God.
1: Did you enjoy hearing Max Lucado's story of the Wemmicks with their gold stars and gray dots? And of little Punchinello, who would learn that neither kind would stick once he valued what his maker thought about him over what others thought about him. Were you able to relate to Punchinello in this story, always looking to impress others but never finding their approval? What a great comfort it is to know that God's approval of us is not dependent on anything that we can do, but it's dependent on what Christ has done for us on the cross. Well, thanks for joining us today, and I hope you'll come back next week for the conclusion of this message, How to Get God's Stamp of Approval. Well, if you're looking for a place to worship and connect with other believers, then join us at Harvest Granger. Saturdays at 5 p.m. and Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. We're located on Hickory Road, just north of Cleveland Road in Granger, Indiana. I'm Aaron Paulus, and until we meet again next week, I hope that God's Word will resonate in your heart and mind. Resonate is a radio ministry of Harvest Bible Chapel, Granger. Visit us online at harvestgranger.org.